Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I have become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. Welcome back. I am so happy that you're here with me as we dive into our last episode in the series we've been working through. We've been talking about how to know when you have done the work of healing from trauma and stress-related concerns. We've touched on what to look for to let you know that you are through the thick of it, as well as what comes next to maintain the gains you've worked so hard for. Today, we're focusing in on the last major piece of the puzzle that comes when you have done the hard work of healing. To tell you about it, I am going to quote from Judith Herman's book, Trauma and Recovery, which is known as one of the foundational works on trauma therapy and from which most trauma therapies are based. In the book, Judith proposes a three-stage model for treating trauma. Stage one involves building safety, which includes coping skills, reducing actual risk, and supporting people in their ability to regulate their emotions and feel safer in themselves. Stage two is about processing, reconciling what has happened to who we see ourselves as. And stage three is about reconnecting to the world. Now, stages one and two are the primary functions of therapy and really the work of healing trauma. So we're really going to focus in on stage three. Now, as we've gone through the process of healing and growing and refining, we are different. And the people we will want and need around us will likely change too. Here's what she says in her opening paragraph about the final stage. Having come to terms with the traumatic past, the survivor faces the task of creating a future. She has mourned the old self that the trauma destroyed. Now she must develop a new self. Her relationships have been tested and forever changed by the trauma. Now she must develop new relationships. The old beliefs that gave meaning to her life have been challenged. Now she must find a new, a sustaining faith. These are the tasks of the third stage of recovery. In accomplishing this work, the survivor reclaims her world. End quote. By creating a new circle, 
reconnecting to the world around us in ways aligned to our post-trauma healed selves. We reclaim our own world. Doesn't that sound incredibly powerful? When living in trauma, we're often living in connections that either contributed to perpetuating the trauma or were salient figures in supporting us to stay the same in our trauma. Especially when trauma started early in life, it has been an embedded part of who we become. And the people we bring into our lives only know us as that person. That person who fears conflict and doesn't tend to stand up for themselves. That person who learned to people please and bend themselves over backwards for others. That person who learned to be a grown-up as a kid and hyper-functions, making everyone else around them able to take a back seat while they do all the things for everyone. Even when our trauma comes later in life, we are shaped by it. And the relationships we craft and create are invariably shaped by it too. Relationships with people who knew us before our trauma may experience distancing, confusion, hurt around how we've been changed. Trust is often damaged. The sense of safety within the relationship is often wounded. The process of healing brings awareness to how we are in and with ourselves, but also how we are with others and how they are with us. We start to see places where we need boundaries to protect ourselves from those that routinely hurt us. We start to notice places where we are routinely hurting others. We try on new ways of being and interacting And sometimes people in our lives embrace this, but often they don't. They are used to us being the version of self we've been, and change feels uncomfortable for them. They can not only struggle to accept new and growing versions of us, but actually be pretty aggressively against it. We start to see how people in our lives are invested in us being less healthy versions of ourselves because it benefits them. Maybe because we do things for them. Maybe because it allows them to feel superior. Maybe because they don't know who they are to us if we aren't needing them to hold us up or fix us anymore. For many who have gone through the painful and brave process of healing, the hardest part of the process is realizing that many of the people they are surrounded by contribute to keeping them stuck. Another hard piece is realizing that those who contribute to their health have been hurt by the vicarious impacts of trauma too, and that some of those relationships may have been badly damaged, sometimes beyond repair. Behind the Line is sponsored by Beating the Breaking Point. Beating the Breaking Point is a seven-part online training program designed specifically for first responders and frontline workers and tailored to fill the gaps in your training to support resilience and sustainability. Whether you're new to the work and wanting to cultivate tools to prevent burnout, compassion fatigue, and related concerns, 
or you are deep into your years on the job and have gone a few rounds with burnout and other mental health challenges, this program offers the foundational pieces you need to support personal and professional wellness for the long haul. You are a helper. You love your work and you sacrifice a lot. Investing in you and your sustainability is the best gift you can give yourself and those who lean on you. We make this program as risk-free as possible by offering a limited money-back guarantee to ensure that it's a fit for you. If you enjoy Behind the Line, you are going to love this program. Google Beating the Breaking Point Lindsay and find everything you need to get started or use the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. As we move through the process of healing and coming out the other side, one of the big jobs ahead of us is figuring out how we carry our newfound selves into relationships. Both existing relationships that we'll need to adapt to meet our present selves, as well as new relationships that we will want to grow with intentionality to ensure that they serve who we are now, rather than finding our way back into old patterns. So what do we need to do about that and how do we do this? Okay, number one, take an inventory. Look at who is in your life right now. Take some time to really consider each person. Get curious about your relationship with each one. What are they great at? What do they feed you? What do you bring to that relationship? And is what you bring to it valued? Are there unhealthy patterns in this relationship that need to be addressed? Is this a person who is open to addressing and adjusting? You will likely discover some key people who will venture forward with you on this journey. You will also likely discover more people who will not. With this discovery comes natural grief, and you need to know that that's okay. We may grieve releasing people that we wish could come with us, but who we can't afford to risk our progress for. We may grieve that some of the people we will choose to remain in contact with will never be the kinds of relationships we wish they were. They may need to be highly and rigidly boundaried to protect me while retaining some level of contact. This is often true for some family ties. We may also grieve that we have gone through the work of healing and are now in the position of having to make some of the decisions We can know that they are better for us, and yet not without loss and pain. So step number two is grieve what needs to be grieved. Changes in us invariably lead to changes in our relationships with others. Sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the harder. As we become people who clarify our needs, set our boundaries, and ask for support, We may discover that not everyone in our lives are as excited to get on board and change with us as we hoped. I often tell clients to prepare for this, to know that it will come so that they aren't surprised by it. Allow room 
for grief. Grief needs to be felt. Bottling it only delays it and makes it bigger when we finally let it come out. So make room for it and know that it's okay to have it for a while. Step three, enhance the relationships that can grow with you. As you inventory and see who is able and willing to grow with you, invest energy into these people and relationships. Be aware of what you bring to these interactions and work at keeping this in alignment to the person you are choosing to be. Relationships are the easiest breeding ground for going back to old patterns. They tend to trigger us more easily and elicit from us stronger reactions than just about anything else. Some of the key ways to work at enhancing relationships actually begin within you. First, being mindful. Really setting an intention for interactions and being able to slow things down when they get a little sticky. Second, being self-aware. Really knowing your needs, your limitations, and where your lines are. And third, being communicative. Really having the skills to share what you're noticing, needing, and hoping for. These skills allow us to support healthy relationship. We recognize that people aren't mind readers. They don't know what's going on for us. And that we need to do the job of knowing and sharing to facilitate genuine connection. Likewise, we can't mind read for others. So we need to be prepared to ask and encourage others to let us know when we've missed the mark or how we can support them more effectively. Step four, invest in new relationships that can grow alongside you. As you inventory, you may notice that your existing relationships are really limited in terms of people who can and will grow with you. We may need to start the search for new relationships. And honestly, this can be challenging because adult relationships are harder to cultivate, even simply because they're harder to find. We tend to wake up, go to work, go home, and go to bed. Aside from the gym and the grocery store and maybe the kids' school, we don't tend to be in a lot of places that are particularly valuable social connect points. My encouragement to you is to be intentional and get creative. Consider the kind of relationship you're hoping to cultivate and the type of person you are hoping to find. What would their values be? What would they be interested in? What would their skills be? And then with those in mind, consider where you imagine such a person might exist in the world. If you find value in fitness, the outdoors, and people with that kind of healthy living mentality, maybe you need to go join the local canoe club or hiking group. If you value close connection and small group activities, Maybe you need to find a local game cafe that hosts board game nights. If you love learning and investing in growing your skills, maybe you need to register for a language class or a writing course. If you want someone who can be creative with you and mutually loves making things, maybe you need to find a pottery class or a knitting or quilting club. If you want really deep connections, look into signing up for a retreat 
If you hope to find other people with families, sign up for a family camp. There are lots of things out there, but you will have to go and find them because they won't come banging down your door to find you. I remember a time in my life, actually while I was in grad school, where I was feeling really not served by many of the relationships I had at the time. I had hit a hard period of time with a bad injury that really limited me, and I was discovering that a lot of my relationships seemed to evaporate when I was the one in need rather than the one showing up to serve everyone else's needs. I took an inventory and realized that I needed to make some changes in how I went about choosing people. I tended to choose people who made me feel good, and I felt good by being needed. I liked to feel helpful, but if I'm totally honest with myself, it felt good to feel powerful, to feel like the together one while my friends were the falling apart ones. Thanks to being in a counseling degree, I had all the tools to analyze the patterns and see that I had set this up over and over again. And every time it ended with me feeling resentful that after all I did for others, when I needed them, they weren't there for me. But you know why they weren't there? Because they didn't know how to be. They had never had to be. They weren't skilled to be. And they lacked the training to be successful at it because I had never asked them to do it before. There were some people I was able to communicate this to who did the work to come alongside me. I shared that I had noticed this pattern in my choices for relationships and ways I went about relating and expressed that I needed more from them. We discussed what it would look like and how I would communicate it and what my expectations were. There was room for their boundaries and room for mine. And then with others, they dropped like hot potatoes. They liked when I did for them without needing back, and they weren't willing to shift that dynamic. Some of those people really mattered to me, and it was hard to acknowledge that we had grown in ways that wouldn't accommodate continuing in the relationship. I still think of those people with fondness and grieve the loss of who they were to me at that time while honoring that I needed to make choices that allowed me to flourish as my most honest self. As I've encountered new relationships since then, I've been really quick to be clear about what I'm looking for in friendships. I'm not willing to be the one who always picks up the phone to call. I'm not willing to mind read. I'm not willing to chase someone down for their attention. I'm looking to be valued and to mutually value. I'm looking for reciprocity and mutuality. I am looking for intention and thoughtfulness, and I'm bringing that with me too. I am now surrounded by people who I know are deeply invested in me. They show up for me and I show up for them. And there's rarely resentment. There are boundaries and communication. When there is conflict, there is resolve. It won't be static. They will change and I will change and we will have to continue to decide if we choose to adapt to how we're growing or if we're diverging on paths that cannot continue together. I've had to step back from some who have grown in ways I can't accommodate or choose not to risk my own growth in favor of. It comes with grief. Loss always does. 
but I can see that it's healthy. Grief is the cost of caring, and I would never choose to live a life without caring just to avoid the pain of grieving. By setting out into a world after healing trauma, seeking out a community of support that we intentionally build around us, we are reclaiming our world. We're making a statement that trauma no longer controls a fundamental part of my life, and we are staking claim to a life that we choose rather than one our patterns and trauma default us into. It involves conscious awareness, slowing down and seeing what's happening in and around us, and making intentional choices. It's work, but it's also hella worth it. If you are working in this area of cultivating healthier relationships, I want to recommend that you check out Beating the Breaking Point. In the later stages of the program, we tackle things like boundaries, relationships, and connection. Also, I'm really excited to announce some awesome changes we're making to the program that are available to you right now. As of this moment, we have added a private community component to the program talk about an opportunity for new connections, as well as opportunities for monthly Q&A calls with me, in addition to a growing resource vault. We're launching a totally new way of accessing the program. You can now choose to opt into the core training alone without these new features for $2.29 Canadian, or you can opt into the core training with the support experience which will be regularly priced at $379. But for right now, and until February 5th, you can register for the new support experience for the same price as the core training alone. So $229 Canadian, using coupon code BTBPHERO. Obviously, this will be for a very limited time, so I really hope you take this opportunity and try out our top-rated program, and join us as we launch these new features. We do have a money-back guarantee, so there's no risk in joining, and you can check out all the details by clicking the link in the show notes. Thanks for continuing to join with me here. I hope you continue to get really valuable pieces from the podcast, and I would love to hear about it and just to hear from you. All of my contact details are in the show notes. Please reach out and connect. If you value this podcast and you want to help us in our mission to support frontline wellness, there are three ways you can do just that. First, rate and review Behind the Line on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening. Number two, follow me on social media at Lindsay A. Foss and engage with me in this amazing little community that we're building there. Every time you like, comment, and share our posts, you help us spread like wildfire thanks to the magic of the algorithm. And number three, share this resource and our other resources with those you know. Whether that's forwarding our weekly newsletters on to your friends and coworkers, listening to the podcast as part of a team meeting, or using our burnout indicators checklist and triage guide as a staff-wide tool, every little bit helps us take our mission to the next level and serve those who are sacrificing so much to serve our communities out on the front lines. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. 
We make all of our resources available to you because the work you do matters. But more than that, you matter. And we want to make sure that you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, as well as in your real life outside of the work. So use it and share it. And until next time, stay safe.